1 Corinthians chapter 15. And <clears throat> we often think of Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Now I'm going to, as I, as I uh, uh, preach this morning, I'm going to use the word, the, the name Easter and Resurrection Sunday interchangeable because that's our society today uh, recognizes both of being the same thing. So if I say Easter or Resurrection Sunday, it's the same thing. So just, just so that you know uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, but we celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday oftentimes giving thanks for the future blessings that the resurrection presents. Is that not true? Uh, you know, we, we, we look at the fact that uh, because of the resurrection, we have power over death. Uh, they just sang about it. Uh, <clears throat> and that is, for, for us, it is for something in the future. Uh, <clears throat> it is like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 55. He says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We, because of the resurrection, we have a future blessing in the fact that our bodies may die, but we will continue to, to live. And, and we will be with our Lord. That is a future blessing. Uh, we see the same thing with the forgiveness of sins, because that is part of our salvation. The fact that Christ dying on the cross, raising from the dead, it gave him the ability to pay for our sins. We see it in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, it's a future blessing. And then we, we have a future hope, do we not? Amen. <clears throat> in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So oftentimes we, we, we take the resurrection of Christ and we take the celebration that we, that we do on Easter Sunday and we, and we look into the future and we say, those are incredible blessings that are awaiting us. And, and actually, I just scratched the surface. There are many, many more blessings uh, that, we, that we get in the future. <clears throat> But what about today? See, oftentimes we forget to think about the fact that we have guaranteed blessings today because of the resurrection. There would be no resurrection had there not been the cross. You know, we... <clears throat> we oftentimes this time of year, focus on the resurrection of Christ, and, and rightfully so, because it is incredibly important for our faith and for, for what Christ did for us. But in order to rise, he had to die. You can't have the resurrection and not have the cross. And I don't know if it's because of the 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 uh, the gruesomeness of the cross. I, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but the horrific things that Christ had to endure in order for us to get to the resurrection. Sometimes we like to block those things out, do we not? 
And we like to think about the positive things instead of the, some of the negatives. But because of the cross, and the cross is, is an incredible reminder. Now, now I want you to, the, we're going to be looking at primarily two things this morning. We're going to be looking at love and power. And the cross, I want you to picture the cross as being an, an incredible uh, <clears throat> reminder of the love of God in your life. And the resurrection is being an incredible reminder of the power of God in your life. As we oftentimes go through life, you know, I spent some time this, this last week looking back over the last year, from last Easter to this Easter. And <clears throat> I don't know about you, but life has 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 happened over the last year we've my wife and i've been through some hard times we've been through some happy times uh you, you know dif- difficult time. i mean you fill in the blank uh now <clears throat> life continues to go on does it not and i can guarantee if you're breathing sitting here this morning, and I believe everybody is still breathing, over the last calendar year, something difficult has happened in your life. I I can guarantee that. Lost loved ones, family problems, uh, illnesses. uh, Everybody in this room has dealt with something over the last year. And, that, and that's part of life. That's part of the, the cycle of life, if you would, is, is learning how to deal with difficult situations. And God oftentimes uses these situations to, to strengthen us. But oftentimes these difficult situations can cause anxiety and fear to set into our hearts, can it not? And what happens when that happens? We we want to withdraw, do we not? We want to we want to crawl in a hole and pull pull the rock in over top of us and just kind of stay there. That's that's what we want to do. But I want you to think about the love and the power of God this morning. The love and the power of God. First Corinthians chapter fifteen again. Let's look at verse 20. Now, I don't know if you mark your Bibles, underline, do anything, but I I do. And I have circled the second word in verse 20. But now, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them. That sleep. The word, the word now is an interesting word. It's a, it's an adverb, <clears throat> but it's an emphatic adverb. So, in other words, what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, is not that, but now, he's saying, but now. It's almost as though he's trying to yell this word now. He's trying to overemphasize the fact that Christ, that the, the blessings of God 
that come because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ are now. He has risen now. And the blessings that we often think about as the, from the resurrection of being in the, the future, we often fail to realize that there are many blessings we have right now. Blessings that, that we oftentimes take for granted. But I want you, the title of my message this morning, just very, very simply, is just love and power. I want you to be thinking about these two words. Because it was the love of God that drove Christ to the cross. But it's the power of God that gives us the blessings that we have. The German theologian, uh, uh, Jordan Moltmann <clears throat> expressed in a single sentence the great span from Good Friday to Easter. It is, in fact, a summary of human history, past, present, and future. And this is it. This is the sentence he, he, he came up with. God wept with us so that we someday will laugh with him. When we hurt, he hurts. When we laugh, he laughs. But there will be a day because of the resurrection where there will be no more hurt. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death as a result of the resurrection. But the fact is we have blessings available to us today. My first point this morning, it's kind of obvious, is the word love. I want to talk about the word love here for a few, for a few minutes. Today culminates a, a week in, in, in Christian uh, <clears throat> holiday, if you would. This whole week is an important week to us, is it not? Last Sunday was Palm Sunday, which started... Uh, this week. Today is uh, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, which culminates this week. But this week, from Sunday to Sunday, is known as Passion Week. And <clears throat> I want to ask you the question, why do they call it, why do we call it Passion Week? It is because the word passion means to have a burning desire. And what started last Sunday at Palm Sunday, we talked about it last week, was a burning desire in, in the life of Jesus Christ to be able to fulfill the hardships that were coming during this week, which happens to be uh, Friday where his death and burial happened, culminating today with the resurrection. As I have thought many times of this week of what we call Passion Week, other than the events that happen on the cross, there is one event that I believe kind of summates or, or, or kind of culminates, if you would, all of the passion that Christ was experiencing this week. We see it in Luke chapter 22, verses 40 to 44. 
It, it, it takes place in the Garden of Gethsemane. <clears throat> the Last Supper had taken place. Uh, Jesus had, had, had constituted the, the Lord's Supper, had spent time washing the disciples' feet. And now he's going to, he's, he's, he's coming apart to, to spend some time in prayer. But listen as we read these verses. Listen to the, the passion, the burning desire of Jesus Christ and, and, and try to envision his love for you. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Here Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if, excuse me, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. For there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in, in, uh, <clears throat> in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, drops of blood uh, <clears throat> falling down to the ground. Here is an incredible picture of our Lord and Savior kneeling down in, in such heavy burden for you and for me, pouring out his love and saying, God, if there's any other way, knowing what the next week was going to hold for him, if there's any other way, can I please not have to do this? But he knew in his heart there was no other way. And an angel was sent to strengthen him, to help him through this very difficult time. The love of God on display for you and for me. What an incredible picture of the love of God for you and for me. So much so that his prayer was, was one, it was des described here as that he was in agony as he prayed for you and for me. His sweat was as drops of blood falling to the ground. That is a medical phenomena of a broken heart for you and for me. The passion of Christ on full display. This next week, Jesus would experience some very, very difficult things. He would experience denial. He would experience ridicule, beatings. The crown of thorn drove into his head and then ultimately the cross. As I have contemplated the things that Jesus has experienced, I don't know which of, which of them is worse. Sometimes physical 
pain and torture that he will be ex- experiencing is going to be extreme. But oftentimes the broken heart of a denial of a friend can hurt worse than anything physical, can it not? See, Jesus is not only going to experience physical pain for you and for me, but also spiritual and emotional pain as well. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, again, sometimes the emotional pain that we that we endure can be sometimes more difficult than the physical. Now let's look at the denial that happened in Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 26, verses 34 and 35. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die uh, with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also all said all the disciples. Here, let, 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 let's put it into context. They're at the Last Supper. And, and Peter's boasting about how, how loyal he is to Jesus. And he said, he said, Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. And he says, oh, I would never do that. I, I will die with you before I will deny you. And all of the other disciples said the exact, they said, and they're all standing going, yeah, me too, me too, yeah. No way I would ever deny you. But what happens? Those of us that are familiar with the story know <clears throat> that in Matthew chapter 26, verses 74 and 75, it says, Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man. Not only was he denying him, but he was cursing his, his very God. And immediately the cock crew and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and he went bitterly. The, the denial, the denial that took place. In another passage, it talks about the fact that Peter and Jesus made eye contact. Can you imagine the guilt? in Peter's life. But on top of that, can you imagine the hurt that the Son of God felt? Even though he knew it was coming, can you imagine the hurt? I can't. Every one of his disciples had deserted him except for John. And I'm not talking about the 12 apostles. I'm talking about the disciples. What, what happened to the 5,000 disciples that Jesus had just a few weeks earlier fed with the, with the bread and the fish? Where were they? Just a, a few days prior to this was Palm Sunday. And, and, and the Bible uses the word many, so it was, it was thousands of people came out to lay down palms for the, the king of kings. And they laid down their palms and they yelled, Hosanna to the king! Where were they? 
they're all gone. Denial. What about the ridicule? Matthew chapter 26, verses 67 and 68. Then did they spit in his face. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that that, that, that is probably the most despicable thing that one person can do to another. But they spit, they, <clears throat> but they spit in his face and buffeted him. And the others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee. How very sad. The ridicule. And this is just one example of many things that took place during this week. The ridicule that took place for you and for me. Then what about the beating that took place? In John chapter 19, verse 1, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. I have a picture here for you of a scourge. You you got that picture? There you go. This is a scourge. If you've never seen a scourge, this is a a drawing of a scourge. Now, what they would do is they would take this and they would have leather strands and in those strands they would take pieces of rock and bone and and pottery and different things and they would they would embed them into these strands and then when they what they would do is they would when they hit hit somebody with them every one of those strands would then latch hold of flesh and then when they jerked it back guess what would happen big chunks of skin would come out Jewish law said that when a man was scourged, that he would not be able to be scourged more than 40 lashes. Well, you take 40 times the number of strands, uh, that, that's, that's a pretty, pretty rough, rough treatment. <clears throat> but what the law said... That was that if the person that was doing the scourging lost count and accidentally hit the individual 41 times, then that individual would then be scourged. Does that make sense? So you, you didn't want to lose count. So what they would do is they would hit the individual 39 times. I don't know if you've ever noticed in, in Scripture, <clears throat> Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. It says, of, those, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. So the 40 stripes, save one, or in other words, he was beaten five times, 39 times. Does that make sense? Times the number of leather strips that were attached to the scourge. Now, can you imagine getting hit 39 times with a scourge? Uh, it, it It would be a horrible event, to say the least. But see, that was Jewish law. 
Let's go back to John chapter 19, verse 1. John chapter 19, verse 1 says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Who Who was Pilate? He was Roman. So who who did the scourging of Jesus? Roman soldiers. Rome had no such law as the Jewish law. So when the Romans scourged Jesus Christ, there was no limit. They would just scourge until the person doing the scourging got tired. Oftentimes, history, you can look it up in history, oftentimes it was was not uncommon for a body to be severed in two because they would take the hands and they would tie them and they would run them up through a ring and they would pull it tight just so that your feet are touching the ground and then they would whip the, the middle section of the body. And it was not uncommon to literally cut a man in half. That is what Jesus endured for you and for me. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14 says, As many were astounded at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man that his form more than the sons of men. Isaiah prophesied many, many years prior that Jesus would be beaten so bad that the scourging he received would exceed anything that any other man had ever endured. That's love. That's love. You think, how in the world could that be love? Well, it's really simple. Because the price of your sin had to be paid. And Jesus paid it. That's why we call it the Passion Week. But what about the crown? Got another picture for you. This is a picture of a crown that would have been made. The thorns, obviously, you can tell by looking at the thorns, they are usually three to four inches long. And as it was placed on the head of Jesus, it was pounded into his head. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a head injury. I've had, and my mom's here, you can ask her, I've had a few. <coughs> head injuries <laughs> bleed really bad. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 29, it says, And when they had planted a crown of thorns, <coughs> they put it upon his head. And with a reed in the, in his hand, and they uh, and they bowed uh, the knee before him and mocked him, saying, "Hail, King of the Jews!" Can you imagine? Not only this, he'd already been scourged by this time. Now he's being mocked, and the 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 crown of thorns is being planted on his head. the pain that he endured, the love that he displayed for you and for me. What about the cross? The death death on a cross 
my understanding anyway is the best I could understand. It, it is one of the most gruesome ways to die that has ever been invented by man. The way a person died on the cross <clears throat> was by suffocation. What they would do is they would they they had a <clears throat> nailed the feet to the cross and the on the arms and and what would happen is the individual on the cross as the the pain in their feet and their and 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 their bodies <clears throat> they would they would relax their legs and and immediately because their arms are stretched out it cuts off the air and they would start to choke and they would they would hold like that for as long as they could, and then with all their might, they would push up on the nails in their feet to be able to breathe. And they would do that until the pain was so excruciating they had to, they had to let go again, and it was that process. And, and, and there, there, history tells us that there were, were men that it took days for them to die. If you remember the account of Jesus and the and the two thieves. <clears throat> what did they do to the two thieves when they wanted them to finally die? They broke their legs so that so that they could no longer push up. But Jesus had already died. So that's when they just took a spear just to make sure that he was dead. A gruesome gruesome death. I want to go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, the start of Passion Week. Knowing what Jesus was going to be facing, knowing the ridicule, knowing the the, the physical pain that was going to be taking place, knowing the the, the fact that his, his disciples were just going to leave and he was going to be all alone pretty much. Knowing all of this, Luke chapter 22, verse 42, it says, saying, Father, thou, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's love. That's love. Now, in, in this story of love there is a really really important lesson that i want you to get a hold of here because this is really i believe central to the whole to the whole story of love and that is jesus did not let the actions or inactions of the people around him to cause him to quit let me, let me say that again. Jesus did not allow the actions or the inactions of the people around him. He did not use that as an excuse to quit. In Luke chapter 22, verses 46 and 47, it says, Then said unto, and, and, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray lest uh, ye enter into, into temptation. And while <clears throat> he yet spake, behold, a multitude, uh, and he, 
that is called Judas, uh, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus and kissed him. See, here, there's two things going on here. I hope you got them both. The first one is Jesus had left his disciples and he said, I'm going to go up here about a stone's throw away and I'm going to be praying. And he came back and he found his disciples sleeping. He did that three, three times. Three times. And the third time is this event. He comes back and they're still sleeping. He is over here agonizing, sweating drops of blood because of, the, of what is coming. And they're back, they're sleeping. Now, if that had been you and me, we would have probably choked them. But what did Jesus do? He just woke them up. And then... And then Judas and the multitude show up. And Judas walks up and he kisses Jesus. And by doing that, he is betraying the Son of God. What does Peter do? Peter pulls out a knife and he cuts off one of the guard's ears. I, I love you. He picks it up and puts it back on. I, that's just, that's just, to me, that's just cool. But Jesus doesn't lose it. He, doesn't, he does not allow the fact that his disciples could really care less of what was going on. He did not allow the fact that uh, Judas, one of his apostles, had just betrayed him. His only concern was doing the will of God. That's love. Sometimes, as we cycle through life and we go through difficult times, we allow the actions or the inactions of people to affect us. And we make statements like, well, nobody cares about me. Nobody ever tries to help me. Everybody talks about me. And we allow the peripheral things to get us off of the will of God. And Jesus was able to put all that aside and keep his eye on the will of God for his life. Now, <clears throat> was Jesus hurt by the denial and the, the betrayal and all the things that took place? Absolutely, he was hurt. But he never lost sight of the goal. Are there times when we get hurt? Absolutely. But we need to keep our eyes on the goal. Amen. We've talked about the love of God that took place on the cross. Now let's take a couple minutes very quickly and let's talk about the power that took place. There are two aspects of the power this morning I want to talk about. The first one, the first one, and please, please get a hold of this, is the power to forgive. The power to forgive. Everything that Jesus had been through, the denials, the betrayals, the, the ridicule, the beating, the crown of thorns, the cross, all of those things 
Jesus was placed on the cross. <clears throat> Most people believe it happens laying down. They, they, the cross is laying down and then the soldiers then pick it up and drop it into a hole. And as soon as, the, as soon as the cross was dropped into the hole and secured, what was the very first thing that Jesus said? Father, forgive them. Luke chapter 22, verses 33 and 34. And when they were come to the place, <clears throat> which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. The very first thing Jesus did on the cross was forgive. And oftentimes in our lives, it's the very last thing that we do. Shame on us. There is nothing more powerful than the ability to forgive. There's nothing more powerful than that. And let me say this, there is nothing more freeing than the ability to forgive. You say, but pastor, you don't understand what this individual has done to me. I, you know, chances are I don't. But I can say this, I doubt very seriously if it comes close to what happened to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verses, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Because of the resurrection and the death on the cross, we have the power to forgive. Unfortunately, what do we do? We hold on to it. The power to forgive. And then secondly, the power to finish. John chapter 30 verse uh, uh, chapter 19 verse 30. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, "It is finished." And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. It's finished. It's all done. All the pain, it's over. All the suffering, the betrayal, all of that stuff, it's done. It's over. The truth is, we can grow weary battling our way through life, can we not? There are days that, <clears throat> if you're anything like me, there are days that you just do not want to get out of bed. Because you know, you know what's going to happen. But because of what Jesus did, now we can have the power to finish. We can have the power to endure. We know what life holds. We know the struggles of life. Jesus, knowing all of these things, endured to the end. Not only demonstrating his love for you, 
but his power that we have access to. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us uh, lay aside every weight and, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Because of what he endured for us, we have the power to endure. We have the power to forgive and we have the power to... And again, these two illustrations are just two of, of, of hundreds. So let me encourage you this, this Easter morning. Don't just concentrate on what God is going to do for you. Let's concentrate on what God is doing. His, his demonstration of love <clears throat> is now. He wants us to live for Him now. He wants us to accept Him as our Savior now. He did not die so that we would get saved in the future. He died so that we could get saved now and live for Him and in His power now. That's what that word now means. It's an emphatic, emphatic now is the time. Paul says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, he says, uh, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. If we, if, if we concentrate on our own selves, we'll become weary, but if we concentrate on Jesus Christ, we can have the strength to endure. Love. And power. Let me close with this. Jesus did not allow the actions or the inactions of others to become an excuse to quit. We cannot either. Now I realize life can be tough and I realize people can be hard and people can can say and do things that are just incredibly hard and mean and nasty. I understand that. But if we're going to understand what Jesus did for you and for me this week of Passion Week, we need to understand that because he endured, so can we. there are going to be times that you are going to feel like it is just you and God. And you're going to feel like it's just the two of you. Even though you may be surrounded by hundreds of people, there are going to be times that it's going to be, that's what you're going to feel like. Never forget his love for you and the power that you have access to because of that love. And as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, let's never forget his love and his power in our lives. But in order to have the power, we've got to accept the love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should never perish, 
but have everlasting life. The gift of God is eternal life. Do you know that gift? Have you ever received that gift? If you have not, now is the time. Now is the time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,